Good morning. Barbie's podcast, Barbie Does Change. I'm Tess Free. Reading a story from my 1950s and 60s collection called The Berrigans. Indeed, the 1960s had happened for me an awful, an awfully lot of time had changed, and in me, I was really different. I write about that elsewhere. I've done a lot of writing about that. But here, in this story, even though a lot had, and the world had changed to bring the salvation we sought, but one life-changing thing really rocked me good in 1972. And that event changed me really good. It took me 50 years to realize the cellular rearrangement that took place in such life-affirming events. And I speak about this because these life-affirming events are called marker events. They're so historic that from that point, you are a different person and you are moved, moved, lived differently. You walk differently in life. Anyways, that's what I call a marker event. Um, and fantastically, as fate would have it, I was arrested and jailed with the Berrigan brothers and sister Elizabeth McAllister in 1972 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Very few were there compared to the thousands and thousands of people at demonstrations previous. Part of my morality got formed during this trip. And so, even to the telling of it, as in whose story is it? <laughs> well, you know what? I want to say this is my story because I was there and this is what happened. <clears throat> From college, on buses, we took a long way to get to Harrisburg. We stopped at a few churches and stayed overnight sleeping on gym floors, eating food prepared by the purple-haired ladies. We talked about nonviolence, we had workshops, we sang, we danced, we had a lot of fun. It was really a good time. The whole trip was enjoyable. We knew we were going to do a great thing. We were going to stand for justice and we were going to stand against violence. So anyway, one of the nights at the church, there was a huge celebration and there was a rock and roll band playing on the altar of the beautiful mahogany, beautiful little church. And I was totally out of my mind because as a Catholic, I had never seen such hedonism, barbaric, you know, it was to me almost sacrilege. I had never even seen barely instruments played in church, certainly not drums of any sort. And during this rock band ceremony, with everybody dancing and singing and standing on top of the pews, dancing. 
the priest comes down in white robes and has long hair like Jesus himself, and he's throwing the bread, pieces of bread, out to the crowd, which is, of course, the communion. This loud, raucous, public demonstration of total love and happiness and the joy of receiving communion was just a, a, a really, really fun time. It, it, it was, you know, I had never received communion like that in joy rather than in penance. And uh, there was a real feast that night. So one thing I want to mention is that when in storytelling, uh, I don't tell other people's stories, and I want to I want to talk about that because Beulah has been bellowing down in the backyard. You know, she talks about story thieves. You know, people have no honor. You know, and stealing their material, stealing stories, and not asking permission, and telling a story about their story, and you know, not honoring you. Um, I just want to say that uh, story thieves are, uh, you know, as she says, there is no there there. Everybody's path is toward their own hole. You only get there yourself. Every story that you have is your own, and all I have is my own, so I want to tell my own stories. And sometimes I've seen my writing and hear hear other people lift my phraseology and I've seen it and I'm, you know, I just want to bring that up. But anyway, back to the story about the Berrigans. Phew, what a tangent. Sorry, folks. Um, <coughs> there is no there there. Your journey is your own. Uh Back with the Berrigans, even then, I did not accept that I was ordinarily different. I wasn't like everybody. You know, I wasn't trying to be anybody. I just ended up in extraordinary places because I know now that no one called me and I could go anywhere I wanted. So I wandered and it brought out the best in me and it's in all my writing. I tried to do things. But my experience with the Berrigans group for the week of training and peaceful nonviolence from Gandhi on, personal identification with mothers, actual a Vietnamese mother who's been killed in war, adopting her her own persona and acting in that in theater, lying in the, in the street, doing street theater for a couple of days in the downtowns, making placards, making signs, preparing, getting ready for demonstrations, getting ready for the action we were going to do. We thought about, we knew what we were going to do. It was all coming together. So in this group, <clears throat> as I had taken a persona of the 
Vietnamese mothers. I was part of, of the whole, what we did, the plan was that we were going to lay down and mourn our own dead children and learning this theology of nonviolence this whole day culminated as we put handcuffs around ourselves and put super glue in the locks of the handcuffs. And we laid on the steps of the federal building for hours and hours and hours until much later they came and sawed us apart. With arms outstretched and freezing on the cold steps, I saw in the distance a rickety, rackety old lady sack of bones heading my way. Sure enough, oh my God, she's gonna fall down in the street for, she's so thin, she's bow-legged. And she's got black-heeled shoes on, black, uh, thick-heeled shoes on, and, you know, she's got a long black coat, black head, of course, and uh, white hair. And I'm looking at this lady thinking, oh, my God. She's, what, if she falls down, I'm handcuffed. There's nothing I can do. So she comes along. She comes toward me, and she has a black pocketbook, and she stands in front of me. And I look, I'm looking at her like, I don't, I don't have no idea, like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, my arms are stretched, outstretched and there are other people on the sides, right? So she opens up her pocketbook and she takes out a plastic baggie with an honest to God, square white sandwich bread, grape jelly, and cream cheese all squashed together properly in the center, you know, with that purple coin. And she takes it out of the out of the bag. She's slipping it out. And I'm dying. I am like absolutely dying and my my I, I can't believe her hand is shaking so hard. Shaking. She's fairly shaking. And of course she puts it up to my mouth. And she's shaking, so you know how grape jelly will chunk up, and there's chunks of grape jelly falling on me in my crotch. It's hilarious as I'm eating the sandwich, and she's giving me water, and the tears are running down my face, and she blows my nose, and she wipes my tears, and... Uh, walks away. <clears throat> I did think when she was walking away that when I grew up I wanted to be just like that lady because she seemed so so holy, such an angel, and so inept, and so right, and so everything and nothing, an angel.
anyway, she was beautiful. Uh, um, so I have, have to ask myself, what did I think was going to happen to me that day? What did I think was going to happen when, after we arrested, we are arrested and we got into jail, all these pale, thin hippies that I'm hanging out with, the guitar players, the cigarette smoking, the, you know, I think we had pot, I don't know, but, you know, drinking. We were just kids, you know, hippies, and they all turn out to be clerics and nuns. And they pull out their collars and their habits and their chokers and their back from their backpacks. And here I am standing there saying, "Hey, what what the fuck? Where? Okay, where's mine? Because I think it's still theater. I'm still dressed as a Vietnamese woman, you know. And I'm standing there with my street clothes on, and um, you know, all my uh, fringe vest and headbands and." And it was clear that, uh, it, it was really clear that I, you know, they were putting it on, you know, and, you know, it was really clear that this is for real. This is like, oh my God, these are the Berrigans. I thought the Berrigans were gonna be moved into like, you know, come in on a helicopter, like at Woodstock or some shit, you know, like ushered in on a limo. I had no idea all of these people were they, the people. And so for me, this Catholic kid, it was really quite a day when I saw these faithful clerics, clerics put on their collars and take up the stand-up posture of preachers. And I had trained with them from one church or another, and even the Protestants, all of those people showed up, the heathens. They all put on their gear. And well, we all stood there trying to get around the shock we felt. It seemed like everybody knew each other and didn't in that instant. I felt connected to ancient, unalone, and part of a zillion of others who had stood up too. Everyone smiled a real send-off smile to me of warm understanding, piercing me with those mirror eyes. It was crystal clear, Christ all clear in the small group of the nuns and priests that they were going to jail for a while, but I, I was going home. I'm <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> I felt peaceful in my singing and nonviolent resistance consecrated self. I felt peaceful in my singing and nonviolent resistant consecrated self. What's your name? The arresting officer said, Joe Hill, I said, where do you live? The other one asked over my hollering, singing voice. I'm from everywhere, working folks defend their rights, I said, knowing that in my own Joan Baez head, we had already spent time down there with Merton at the cabin around the campfire. 
Never ever did I say my real name as we pledged in our Quaker training. I have no idea how my arrest made it to the papers back home where they printed a glommed together story about us communist hippies. They forgot to put the Catholic part in. There was a snitch in there. They forgot to put the stand-up cleric, Protestant heathen people in. They forgot to put the Indians in. They forgot, and there was a snitch, a fucking Judas right at my side, just like the book said. And what did I think would happen after when I saw another kind of Catholic clergy out of my town who took off their clothes, who stood up for, you know, that killing commandment? And what, just what did I think would happen to me? Well, for one thing, I was sure I had found Jesus outside my town, outside my prejudices, black robe scholars, now I saw Jesus was out in the world, and I want to know what I thought would happen to me after that. How the fuck was I going to get on? What the fuck did I think was going to happen to me? I wrote a paper, and I wrote a quote in it that I hope I made up. And here it is. Be not a dumb, obedient slave of destruction, dash, dash, dash. Be a heroine in the army of construction. Oh my God. Such a serious little shit, wasn't I? Uh, that's the end. That felt great reading. Thanks for listening. It's been test free.